All right, and welcome uh, Will Stevens to Beyond the Walls podcast. Will, you are here in studio with us. It's good to see someone face to face after a while. I know that you know we're, we're both in the same community together, uh, so it's not been like forever since we've seen each other. But as far as me having someone in studio here with me, it's been a while, my friend. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, so um, you know we're we're featuring. We got a little bit of a spotlight here of the partnership between Beyond the Walls and Goose Bridal Coffee Roasters. So uh, first off, let's tell our listeners a little bit about you before we get into the coffee, before we get into the history of that's led you here to uh, to this business. Uh, but just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, so my name is, as Ben said, Will Stevens, and I am uh, Carter County, born and raised. So uh, grew up right here in, in Grayson. There's two of us now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're getting the word out there. That's right. Uh, so I, you know, uh, graduated from East Carter in 2001 because that's important information in Grayson, Kentucky. That's right. People want to know Class of 96, baby. All right. Yeah. And uh then I went to Marshall University for uh, an undergrad in chemistry, and then I on to the University of North Carolina and uh, got a PhD in uh, physical chemistry. Um, I, I have to—I feel like I have to give this CV. It's just that weird Im- impulse to do. Um, and I stayed in, in Chapel Hill and worked in what's known as RTP or Research Triangle Park for a few years. After that, mm-hmm. uh, I worked for the EPA as a, a postdoctoral researcher, um, sort of smelling smokestacks with, uh, fancy lasers. And then, uh, after that, we decided it was time to move back and raise a family. We had enough of the outside world. We moved back to Grayston, Kentucky. Yeah. So it's amazing how this place can do that, isn't it? That, uh, mm-hmm. cause we, you know, my wife and I, we've spent some time away from here too, uh, actually in Hickory, North Carolina, uh, the Charlotte area, mm-hmm. uh, actually paved a few roads and parking lots in the Chapel Hill area. Is so, that right? Yeah. 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 So they're probably, uh, did a terrible job. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I designed the, the asphalt mix that went down on there. So it's probably long gone by now, but, uh, that one cracked parking lot. Huh? Yeah. That's all it. The grass growing through. That's it. All of it. That's, that's my specialty that right there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you you've come back. Uh, you've kind mm-hmm. of gotten established here uh, again in the local community. You are uh, part of one of the uh, well, one of the the local university yeah. here in Grayson. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do there. Yeah, so once we uh, moved out back home, um, I started teaching uh, chemistry at the Kentucky Christian University mm-hmm. uh, in for their department of, or uh, College of Health Sciences, and uh, we mainly there train up. Uh, folks to go to med school, veterinary school, um, physical therapy, any sort of health profession, um, postgraduate school. And, um, you know, it's, we, we've been doing that for about 10 years now Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a great program. The way I like to say it, if, uh, you want to and apply yourself, we'll get you in where you want to go. You know, um, the, uh, let's see here. Uh, I have two kids. So, um, Lottie and Claire and, uh, they're, uh, now eight and two. Mm, fun. Or, did I say two? They're yeah. eight and four. That's okay. Uh, edit okay. that out. If, or, yeah. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'll, I'll, she I'll, won't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll clip it and have it as blackmail moving forward. <laughs> that's right. Um, but it seems like she should be two. That's, that's for sure. Uh, not in eight, not in her maturity level, but just from time. Yeah. I mean, you have that second one and time just you know, accelerates. We, we only had, we only have the one. Um, and she will be 22 in November, mm-hmm. just graduated uh, college, getting ready to enter the work field and grad school. Wow. And uh, 
So, yeah. And and I don't know if, if this is going to come through on the recording or not. We are here in my church office slash studio slash lounge area slash coffee <laughs> consuming room. Uh, and we are during a week, we are recording this during a week, which we call Empower Carter County, which we have like 80 <laughs> some uh, from kids all the way to high school, college age people doing local service projects. They're staying here. It's a camp within the church here. And if you hear the kids in the background, we're not apologetic for that because uh, it's a church. It has life in it. They're doing work. So um, that's we're we're excited to have them here. Uh, but yeah, man, the time just goes crazy crazy fast and yeah uh, yeah so next thing you know blink man that's the oldest sounding statement that i've made in a while yeah they slip in there yeah they do dad jokes old statements but anyhow we're not here to talk about me let's talk about you let's talk about goose bridal coffee let's let's go back to the beginning even the conceptual stages of this what what kind of got you started into this yeah so uh there are a couple of factors that kind of played into all of this the first was just the the need for good coffee whenever we moved back from chapel hill um so where we lived we actually lived in durham we um mm-hmm. uh which they're adjacent and um there was a, a a bike trail that you could actually ride your bike down to the local coffee roaster and get a cup of coffee and so we we got pretty spoiled while we were down there when we moved back um we couldn't find um even uh, whole bean coffee in yeah. Grayson, right? Yeah. Uh, so I started roasting or looking into home roasting. So I tried a couple of methods. Uh, you know, there, there are all sorts of home roasting methods that you can do on the internet and ended up sort of slapping together my own um, uh, grill roaster where uh, I took a rotisserie and ch- speared a basket and put the coffee into the basket and then um, chucked that whole rotisserie into a drill, set the speed with a hose clamp, and around the trigger and there you go Um, i had a tumbling heat applied there there may not be any more of an eastern kentucky (laughs) explanation of doing things in what you just heard right there folks i love that yeah and well when when they were done i would dump them onto a window screen with a box fan underneath it oh my gosh you're you're, my my heart's it's skipping beats right now man i'm telling you this is as my chair squeaks in the background i mean this is just this is this is where we're at right here yeah so i did that for probably like two or three years uh, just roasting for, uh, myself, my family, and then my, my parents. And, uh, it would go into like just paper lunch sacks. The coffee oils would bleed through. Um, and you just had this greasy sack of coffee beans, you know? Love it. Uh, so little by little things just kind of kept improving, uh, on the process. Uh, it's really a, a, probably a good way to learn how to roast coffee. Uh, just because, uh, it, there's such a, um, I didn't have any any uh, like temperature profiling or anything fancy um, other than the sounds and smells of the coffee roasting mm-hmm. process. And so I, I, I kind of learned on this really primitive way. Um, fast forward a few years, our coffee consumption has gotten to the point where I can actually, my, my, my parents and my friends and then Vanessa and me, we were going through about um, 200 pounds of coffee every six months. Nice. And I started looking for um, some wholesale um, options to get greens in to for just for us. 
And I ended up saving so much money on that. I decided, well, let's just slap a label on this and, you know, throw it in a store and see what happens. So I was still doing this on the grill and all that stuff. And um, I put it in a local boutique and it did pretty well, well enough to realize that I could sink a little bit of money into this and and maybe get, do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so and also I learned that that was highly illegal. Um, I thought I was protected <laughs> under cottage laws. I was not um, because I didn't. Essentially, there's a hard line there between uh, growing stuff on your property mm-hmm. and versus processing it right, on your property right. producing versus processing basically exactly yeah. so if you're doing eggs that's okay mm-hmm. um roasting coffee now you're food manufacturing ah. um so anyway i uh i shut down for about six months and got myself right with the law and then reopened and that was the late spring of 2018 uh i had my first restaurant wholesale relationship with uh, Todd Antrobus and the yeah. drive-in. Yeah. And all of Hill, Kentucky, look it up. Fantastic burgers. You're not kidding. And they're <laughs> open today. So it's uh-huh. time for lunch. Uh-huh. The food um, truck. I hope it's closed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so little by little, um, we've kind of, we've grown to the point where I have about seven locations between here and uh, between Ashland and Moorhead. Mm. So we've expanded both, both East and West. Yeah. Um, we most of the the places are restaurants but i mean it's it's kind of a 50 50 mix mm-hmm. um more recently probably the most novel thing is we have a nitro tap at the sawstone brewery yes. so yes. you can get a um a, a taste of the i think they it's called vanishing act on their on their board but it is uh nitro uh kegged coffee it's it's brewed hot Mm-hmm. over ice and then they put it in under um pressurized nitrogen and that filters in for about a week believe it or not and then when you pour it it just has this really pretty um foaming effect mm. and cascades it's, it's a it's a really cool look yeah thomas uh, our youth pastor here at, at first church where i pastor he uh he he worked at a very very high end coffee shop in lexington uh, before they come you know before they moved up here to <laughs> so he's he's got all that lingo and he knows all that stuff so uh but anyhow uh let's let's go on let's build on to that as far as areas of expertise because um you are a phd i am am not (laughs) Uh, i know it's taken it that may take our listeners by surprise they they may be shocked on that but the majority of our listeners are not phds also and the majority of us grew up you know we were talking about before we started recording little jingles that you know um, you know fill it to the rim with brim you know the best part of waking up is folders <laughs> in your cup and then there's some others that aren't even worthy of a jingle um, but you know there's those of us who grew up with that type of coffee sure uh, the the mass produced yeah the the heavily manufactured uh, what what could you tell us um, just for your average person, average coffee consumer, the difference between the product that you have and, and let's face it, you know, you're talking about you're expanding out a little bit, mm-hmm. little bit by little bit, but not everyone is, that's listening to this is going to be in our area. Mm-hmm. Uh, although that you can you can find your coffee, you can order it goosebridalcoffee.com. Sure, made made fresh, shipped to you as quickly as possible. Right, uh, but. Chances are there may be a local roaster in your area, and if not already, there's may be one here soon. Uh, but explain to us the differences, the advantages, the benefits of what you're doing as opposed to what we could go to the grocery store and pick up in a mass-produced can type thing. Yeah, sure. So um, one of the more useful um, 
uh, sort of coffee industry terms is uh, the concept of waves of coffee. And so um, what you're describing with like Folgers, Maxwell House, um, if you were in my family growing up, it was great value. Oh, um, you know, I've been there, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and it's, it, it was good coffee, right? Yeah. So um, growing up. So uh, these are considered first wave. So um, they're sort of products of the mid 20th century sort of industrial industrialization of the food mm. world. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you get this mass production of, of coffee and um, moving away. Like at some point there were roasters locally. Um, I was talking to a lady who um, told me that there used to be a coffee roaster in Olive Hill, right? Um, a very long time ago. But uh, so as, as we moved to these more commercial sources of food, coffee kind of came along with it. The, the Mr. Coffee instead of the percolator. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, essentially that kind of persisted up into the mid 80s. Um, and then you had this second wave that came on of and, and really in certain urban areas, you know, um, this might have even been late 70s. But you had this um, second wave come on with Pete's. If you've seen that in the grocery mm-hmm. store, they have a line of coffee and Starbucks. Yeah. Um, Pete's was much earlier than Starbucks. But nonetheless, uh, these are your dark roasted coffees. Um, a lot of times there, there are flavored coffees that come along with that. And a lot of folks kind of lump that in with the second wave. Uh, mid nineties, uh, the sort of coffee shop scene was, was really heating up and you ended up with a third wave of coffee, um, where folks were more focused on, uh, the origin of the bean and how that affects the flavor, uh, less doctored cups of coffee. So less Italian, um, uh, espresso drinks and stuff like that, more, um, pour over centric coffees. Um, so, or, um, just drinking coffee black, you know, very little adulteration to it. Um, the, and, and so with that came a lot of emphasis on light roasting because typically the, the philosophy really is that as you get towards those darker roasts, you tend to homogenize or, um, your, your flavor profiles. Um, and it tends to just taste roasty, Mm -hmm. um, or dark roast. Um, but if you keep the coffee light, you can taste some of the variations from between or between country of origin, um, maybe between the way the coffee was processed. Um, there are a lot of steps to take coffee from a shrub to a cup. And, uh, the, the third wave really brought a lot of that to light. Um, with that also, there are a lot of direct um, roast, uh, sort of roaster to farmer relationships that were built um, or at least direct relationships between farmers and green coffee importers so that uh, there are these great stories to tell about the farms and in the countries that um, the coffee's produced and stuff like that, because, you know, coffee doesn't grow. Like I get a lot of questions about, well, could you put a coffee, could you grow a coffee plant here? Could you, could you produce your own coffee? And the answer to that is really no. Um, Coffee tends to need the equatorial weather Mm -hmm. patterns and also the high altitude um, because it it likes equatorial sun, but it doesn't like equatorial heat. Mm. And so you need to, to so it's going to have that balance there between the two. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a certain elevation level that you really want to stay above with coffee. But going back to the difference between what I do and say a can of coffee that you'd buy in the grocery store, um, a lot of that comes down to sort of the quality of the bean that you're getting and then also the freshness of the coffee itself. Um, so first off with quality, the um, when you look at a, 
either a bag of coffee or a can of coffee. Um, it could even be whole bean. Um, it, there's there, if you see just Colombian coffee or Gua, even Guatemalan or any of these other countries, um, that may not, it, it's likely that coffee was bought on what's known as the commodities market or the sea market. Mm-hmm. And in that case, um, if you're a Colombian coffee farmer, you're going to go down and you're going to sell your beans to, to, to these folks. And it's kind of gets all lumped in with other farms and um, maybe from all over the country and gets mixed up. And so there's a less of an emphasis on quality for these farms. And also um, there's a, an, a real ethical problem with this. If you start looking at coffee, green coffee and, and sort of threats to the industry, um, one of those is something called they call the sea market crisis, where right now coffee is trading well below a dollar a pound. Um, on the sea market and um, which is where a lot of these big coffee roasters get their coffee and there's just not enough money to pay the hands that touch the coffee in those cases so there's kind of an ethical Mm. issue in that too Um, so so typically third wave coffee um, shops are concerned with buying at a price that's fair and also getting something for that dollar too, um, for that expense. So, um, going to freshness, um, a lot of coffee, almost all the coffee you see, or I would even say all of the coffee that you see in your local grocery store, um, is bagged without a roast date on it. Mm -hmm. Um, very few folks do that. And it's, it's kind of understandable. There's a bit of a headache, you know, folks don't know what the roast date is or don't know how coffee stales. Then, um, you look at the state on the bag and it, if it's a roast date, it's going to be later than that date. And we're used to expiration dates instead of roasted on dates. And yeah. so, um, there's, there tend to be a little bit of confusion there about the roast dates, but nonetheless, without that roast date, you don't know when your coffee was roasted mm-hmm. and essentially your freshness, um, it, it's probably somewhere around um, a month you have to really hit that peak freshness. Coffee's still drinkable mm-hmm. years later, yeah. but um, it's best within about a month yeah. of, of roasting. And, and I don't know if you did this growing up in, in your house or not, but the way that you extend that freshness date is you throw it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everything into the freezer, man. Yeah. Kept it, kept it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fascinating, man. Yeah. No, um, uh, sorry. I, I have, I have a, uh, I, I don't want to interrupt. No, 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 no. Uh, so throwing it in the freezer, that's a, that's a great comment. Um, a lot of people, I get a lot of questions about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the deal with throwing it in the freezer, I don't think a lot of people know. Um, so as a chemist, you know, I can talk about like, well, flavor chemistry is really, really hard. Um, essentially there's no, there, we could throw as much money as we want at this, right? Millions and millions of dollars on instrumentation. Um, and you're not going to beat random guy on the streets, you know, taste, right. taste buds, right? Um, ultimately that's what matters anyway. Right. Um, and, and so what quantifying, like what preserves coffee best, um, is, is really hard. Um, it, it seems that there's not really a good way to keep that flavor locked in the bean, mm-hmm. um, from, from a chemistry standpoint, what's going on you know, you've got these compounds that are volatile, which means they just, they come off the bean really quick. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- over time you can reduce that by putting it in the freezer. But the problem with that is that you end up with condensation forming on the beans and, and, uh, the, there's a bit of a cost associated with putting it into the freezer because mm-hmm. of that moisture that will form. So, 
you know, if you're going to keep it for years and years, like for a long period of time, I'd say several months, I would say yeah, it couldn't hurt to throw it in the freezer. But if you're just trying to keep it fresh for six weeks or so, I don't think that um, using a freezer is, is the not best. really helping. Yeah. Right. I read an article. It's probably been three or four years ago. Uh, and they were, we, we already saw the, the trend happening, I believe. But one of the things that, um, that, that, that this article was saying is that coffee was quickly moving towards um, the status of wine mm-hmm. uh, from the standpoint of it was, it was moving from just the uh, almost the blue collar, um, you know, reputation of, Hey, we just, we, we brew this, we make a cup of coffee as strong as we possibly can. It's consu- you know, it's mm-hmm. just slammed back and, and we don't think about it anymore. It's almost, you know, uh, going to, um, you know, uh, not an elite state, but different palates, you know, developing a coffee palate. Sure. Um, and, and I think that that's what we're, what we're seeing in, you know, in this evolution of coffee. Um, but I, I guess a question that would come out of that is you're, you're talking about the, the elements of it with mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, with the preserving it. Is there, in your opinion, a, um, is there a benefit to buying a certain, because I know that you have different types of, of grind that you can sell you mm-hmm. the whole bean, French press drip, you know, sure. is there an advantage to buying whole beans? I'm guessing that I'm asking, am I going to be okay with trying to sell my wife on me being more high maintenance in getting a very nice coffee grinder, buying the whole bean, grinding it fresh right there, and then making my cup of coffee as opposed to buying it pre-ground? Yeah. So, uh, a lot of the, there, there are a few factors here that play into that, right? So one is the quantity of coffee in which you buy. Um, so absolutely whole bean coffee will keep fresher longer. Mm -hmm. Um, the studies that I've looked at, um, will use a, a really sensitive scale and they'll measure the mass of these volatile compounds coming off of the coffee. And so you can imagine a bean just sitting there with the, the, the aromas coming off and little by little, the bean gets a little bit lighter over time. Mm. Um, if you do that with ground coffee, the coffee gets lighter about 10 times faster. Okay. So if we're assuming that all the, you're going to taste all the things that come off of that, then, you know, that's a huge loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to that also so there, that's one benefit. So you, you sort of retain the freshness of the bean. And that, that's probably the major argument for, for grinding your own coffee beans. Um, the other thing is that if you're a bit of a coffee nerd and you like to uh, do use different methods at different times. So Ben and I, you were, we were talking about French press coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uses a really coarse ground coffee. Right. And actually in those cases, having a, a, what's known as a burr grinder is really mm-hmm. nice. Uh, the, typically, the two options for grinding uh, coffee are blade grinders and then also burr grinders. Mm-hmm. And so, burr grinders, you you have two um, uh, metal cones that that sort of sit inside of one another, or well, a metal cone that sits inside of a mating piece. And uh, the the grind size is adjusted by ra- like raising that the inner cone away from the outer cone that creates a bigger gap and the grounds can fall through to the bottom. So the point of that is that as you crush the beans up, they fall once they get small enough to get through the gap. Mm. Um, with a blade grinder, you have two blades that just spin really fast right. and you end up with a distribution of particle sizes. 
And so you end up with really fine stuff. You end up with really coarse stuff. And with a French press, that's a problem because you've got a filter that's essentially a sieve. Mm-hmm. And so everything smaller than that hole on that filter makes it up into it's the coming cup. through. Right. And you end up with that sludge in the bottom of your mm-hmm. cup. And that extracts as you're drinking the coffee. So that's a big thing is like having a particle size or ground size that matches your filter so that the filter actually catches the grounds instead of letting them go into the cup and then continue to extract and making sort of a, what I can like, I call it an astringence, but it's like what hits you in the back of your palate um, and sort of feels like almost like water's gone up your nose a little bit. Um, uh, I think you reduce that whenever you go to a more even grind size and then uh, uh, yeah, just an even grind size. Yeah. So you've got a, a couple different. Pro- Let's talk about your product now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Goose Bridal Coffee Roasters. Um, you know, one of the things, the the two primary. I don't know if they were the original, but the ones mm-hmm. that I was introduced to uh, was the the first was the Boilermaker Bold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of our big uh, o- you know occupations around our areas. We have a lot of people that are in boiler making. Yep. Um, so it's a it it is what it says it is. It's Boilermaker Bold, and then you have the Miner's Medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you also have a decaf mm-hmm. roasting. You know, decaf roast that you have. But tell us a little bit about what you have available. If sure. someone were to hear this and they were to go to the link in the show notes of goosebridalcoffee.com and what they're going to find there. Uh, yeah. So we've, you know, um, so I have typically three offerings that I consider core. Mm-hmm. Um, well, two, two core offerings, which you mentioned, plus a seasonal light roast. Um, and, and so I try to keep those available on the website. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I may have uh, different fundraiser coffees right. that are available. Yeah. Uh, and, and that pretty much comprises what I do. Um, and the, the naming for Boilermaker Bold and Miner's Medium, um, that's sort of a nod to uh, – Boilermaker Bold's a nod to my my dad. Right. Um, Bruce. Bruce. Shout out, Bruce. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, I love Bruce. Um, and and essentially, he was – so he's a Boilermaker, and they kind of kept eking me darker and darker. You know, of course, I've, I'm this high-minded third-wave coffee roaster. I want to give them the light roast stuff, and they're like, oh, I'd like a little bit darker. Yeah. And uh, – Anyway, so uh, essentially that that dark roast is is for them, uh, for my folks. Um, and then Miner's Medium, you know, I had this alliteration thing going on yeah. already. And so um, Listen, I like it. I'm a preacher, man. I yeah. love alliteration. <laughs> and and also the, the, the term goose bridle comes from uh, something that my great grandparents said. Mm-hmm. And they actually uh, they had a farm out on um, um Shoot out towards out between Deer Creek and Willard. Yeah, um, I was say it's at um, the, the one of the metropolitan areas of Willard, <laughs> out Willard, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so all of my family, li- you know, both sides uh, were you know situated along 1496 mm-hmm. uh, on one side of Willard or the other. Yeah, and anyway, uh, Carter uh, County into Lawrence County. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, so I. Let's see yours. So there's a saying that my great grandmother said that uh, essentially went something like that looks like a wimwa to a goose's bridle. Mm. And my dad picked it up. And so we ultimately went with goose bridle yeah. coffee as an, as another nod to the family. Fascinating. Um, so anyway, Bullmaker Bold and Miner's Medium are both um, Guatemalan single origin coffees. So it's from the Weiwei Tenango region of Guatemala. 
And, um, you know, I would stack this, this coffee up against any, anything that you could find in a major city, um, anywhere, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's top notch, uh, green coffee that's, that's been imported and then roasted fresh. You're, you're just not going to beat that. So I have a seasonal light roast that is a blend of an Ethiopian, uh, natural process usually. So I, uh, and a Brazilian bean. So, um, these are two very different beans. Um, the light roast is something, whatever I can bring in that has a real strong fruity flavor is usually what I'm aiming for. Um, I try to sample as much as I can. Sometimes the fruity flavors that you get in those types of beans is a little bit hard to find. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people like to market them because they know that coffee roasters want that. Right. So you end up, uh, it, it, it ends up a little bit variable from one season to the next. Um, so uh, I guess I should talk about like what natural process means. Yeah. So, you know, coffee grows on a shrub mm-hmm. in sort of equatorial high altitude regions. And um, it, uh, it's, it starts out, it's actually the beans that we get are a seed in a, in a fruit. And, and so when this is picked, it's picked as a cherry. Is what how they call it and the cherry is that fruit or what they call mucilage has to be removed from the bean and then the the bean has to be dried and um and processed so in this whole whole process is called processing right? right um and and so there are a few options for removing that fruit so the f- typical way that this is done is mechanically just it's it's sort of physically removed from the bean Mm -hmm. in one way or another. Um, Natural processing is um, whenever you actually um, allow that to ferment a little bit, the fruit to ferment, and some of those flavors kind of find their way into the coffee bean Mm -hmm. when that happens. And then there are two intermediate processes where, um, which are referred to as honey processes. Um, And and so you could have like a dark honey process and a light honey process, even sort of creating more um, sort of resolution between this dry processing and natural processing or washed and mm-hmm. as it's sometimes called a natural processed coffee. Um, and so whenever you buy natural processed coffee, usually you're looking for some sort of funky fruity flavor um, in the bean. It doesn't always show up in there, but that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, the, and, and so that's, that's one side of this. And sometimes these beans can be a little bit lighter in body, which means sort of the thickness of the coffee. Is it more like milk or is it more like, tea mm-hmm. um and and so blending that with a, a bean like a brazilian uh, bean which has tends to have a more traditional flavor profile um and more body you end up with something that's not so out there for folks mm-hmm. um especially in a region where we don't have a strong like coffee shop culture right. um or a, a lot of um awareness of these third third wave principles mm-hmm. uh getting uh, a bean that or taking making a blend that sort of is more that brings that that sort of funky ethiopian bean back into mainline is kind of the goal right right so we're mainly um we're more of a colombian bean type palette that's Mm. that's more of what we're used to is that what you're saying well so i would say that yeah we're much more used to latin american Mm -hmm. uh coffee Mm -hmm. um whether that's and, and usually you'll see Colombian coffee on uh, like the Juan Valdez yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, coffees. Uh, so I guess that, that would be your Folgers mm-hmm. and stuff like that is mm-hmm. Colombian. Um, so I do have a Colombian bean that I 
don't offer online usually. Um, sometimes it finds its way into a blend or something like that. Um, you do you can get it at the mill in Ashland. So okay. their their coffee blend is a blend of Brazilian and Colombian, hmm. and it's roasted medium dark, I would say. So okay. it's it's sort of um, lighter than certainly lighter than bold and darker than than the medium. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's actually one of my favorites for cold brew uh, mm. and, and drip coffee to some often. Um, it's it's a really nice blend. Um, sometimes I kind of stumble upon these because there's so many parameters to change. You know, at some point, you know, you, you find something new and you're like, oh, this is really nice. Yeah. I wish I'd known about this like <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. Well, and seeing that's, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to make the switch because the, get ready for the, you know, old man, get off my lawn, you know, mm. type statement because I'm the, I'm the guy, the, the coffee needs to be hot. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be just black coffee, just okay. straight black coffee. Don't don't give me the don't give me the cold brew stuff. If I want cold brew, I'll drink something cold. I don't want my coffee cold. But I'm trying to expand the borders a little bit. Now, let's see if we can segue here. I'm trying to go, go beyond the walls, beyond the walls yeah. a little bit of my coffee consumption <laughs> and my preconceived ideas of what coffee is or should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if you're looking at one thing that, and I know that you've talked about several different things, but you know, you talking about coming back up here and having, when you move back, it was such a limited access to good quality coffee. If you've got somebody that you're talking just as we're across the table here, I've been just the, the basic mass produced, mass manufactured coffee drinker my entire life. And I'm a little bit stubborn. Mm-hmm. or skeptical sure. about something like goose bridal or a locally ground and you know um, produced coffee what, what would be your words to me sure so i mean speaking outside of this for just a second mm-hmm. I, I would say i would speak pretty carefully mm-hmm. right because coffee is this weird weird product that we kind of hold to a higher level than other things uh- that's a good you, statement. Yeah. You know, um, people will take their coffee really personal mm-hmm. and you don't want to tell somebody that you think their coffee is not very good. Right. right. Um, that's, that's going to, it's insulting a child right there. Basically that's what that can be. It can be, it can be. Um, or maybe you're saying like your work ethic's better. It's, it's weird how it's tied to your work ethic. Um, uh, in, in this sort of way that we don't talk about, but what I would say is that, um, my, I, I like this coffee myself mm-hmm. um i would start off with sort of a, an appeal that way um just saying that you know you you're free to like whatever you like and that um i i find that this coffee tends to have a little bit more flavor um if you open a can of folgers it's going to smell great because it's been sealed for um you know maybe a, a six months yeah. uh on the shelf and all of those flavors have built up and they release whenever you open up the container um whenever you open it up the next time. Is it going to smell the same? Right. And not even close. Right. Not even close. <laughs> and, and, but you know, to that end, um, with, with goose bridle, you're going to, so, so to use that example of opening a can of Folgers initially versus a, a week later, um, you know, or the next day, even, um, whenever you look at, at miners medium you're going to be all of those flavors that just release whenever you open the can initially are going to be still locked inside the bean because mm-hmm. chances are if you go to the store and buy a bag of my coffee it's been there for maybe a week or mm-hmm. two weeks and and so a lot of those flavors are still in the bean that's 
ir- that's completely um, independent of the quality of the green coffee that I'm using. But um, we could also that that would be that would be how I'd approach it because anything else it kind of starts weeding into weird things like you know um, you know the cheap coffee and the ethical issues and stuff like and you can kind of wear people out with that you know and um, and unless I, I think that folks are really into that sort of thing. I would probably just keep it to a a freshness argument um, and then go from there. Also, you know, some people just aren't foodies, you Mm -hmm. know, chances are this guy is not a foodie. Right. Um, And, and so that becomes a little bit of a a challenge because now you're trying to sell gourmet to somebody who's not just admitting that they're not a foodie, but they're also kind of proud that they're not a foodie. Right. Right. And they've kind of got some identity wrapped up in that. Yeah. 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 So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you feel like we need to know? Anything else you'd like to to say or tell us? Uh, yeah. So I am super excited about doing uh, Goose Bridle fundraisers. So mm-hmm. um, this is a way that I um, – so one of the things that's been really neat about being a small business owner in eastern Kentucky or anywhere um, is that I've learned a little bit more about how um, a small town operates. Right. I've, I've been able to build some relationships with local business owners and um, then moving into fundraisers, you know, now I'm integrating myself more into the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to work with now, not just business owners, but community organizers and that sort of thing. In small towns, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Oh, yeah. So. I'm excited about being able to um, build more of those relationships um, the, the way our fundraisers work is that, you know, they can either work like a traditional school fundraiser, or, um, if there's a shelf that you think somebody would want to put it on for you, um, we can do that. But ultimately the, the take for the organization is about 40%, mm. which is particularly good for fundraisers. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, um, and you know, just, I'm excited to be able to offer, um, the opportunity for folks to use my coffee yeah. um, in that way and and give them a good rate because you know ultimately this is a community thing mm-hmm. you know um yeah and i i didn't start this to get rich that's for sure it'd, it'd take a lot <laughs> you, of bags you, of coffee you work at a christian university to get rich <laughs> yeah right we, we all know we all know why you're there we know who makes the money down yeah there. it's daniel white <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely <laughs> true. That guy. All right. Making it happen. Yeah. Well, Will, thank you for, for being here, taking the time to uh, to come and talk with us today. We'd, we'd love to have you back. Maybe we can maybe we can do some deep dives into like coffee of the decades type stuff and just yeah. kind of take a look at, uh, at that. Who knows? I'm just thinking out loud now. But I encourage you, uh, go to the link in the show notes, goosebridalcoffee.com. Uh, check it out. You've got to hear uh, Will and his passion behind what he does here with Goose Bridal Coffee. Uh, you know, order it. He makes it. It's not something that's been pre-shelved, pre-made, ready, and as soon as you order, it's just pulled off a shelf. He makes it, then you know, puts a uh, puts a date on there for you. That way, you know yeah. that you're getting the freshest, uh, highest quality product each and every time that you order. So, Will, thank you again, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. Ain't no problem.